Welcome back to the Crossplay Podcast. This is episode two. I can't believe we've already been going for two weeks. This is a new record for us for the Crossplay Podcast, second episode. It's the biggest. Difficult sequel. <laughs> it is the longest running Crossplay Podcast ever. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Chandler Wood. Oh. I'm Cameron Teague. You wrote it on the duck. <laughs> I know, but I forgot. I'm, I'm Jason Faulkner. And I'm Paul Tambora. And we're not going to tell you where we're from. It's just like oh, yeah. shuffle. Game of Moon Jason, Game Revolution, Channel of Camera, and PlayStation Lifestyle. It's good. We're good. It's oh, fine. You, you I mean, if you really want to know, it's on the, on the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Go, go back, back and there. listen. Mm-hmm. You got to play the first game to understand the second game, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not. We're not going to break the fourth wall if you can't go back and listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, today is is pretty big because God of War review embargo just lifted this morning when we're recording it. Obviously, not by the time people are listening to this, but do we want to talk about that first or do we want that to be the thing we kind of like rant on and on about at the end? I think first is good. This is a lot of time. Get it out of the way. Yeah. We'll get it out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how long Nobody we... Nobody cares about that bit. Everybody wants to know about Lawbreaker's new game. Oh, So, God of War, I'm going to let uh, Jason take this one first, since I know he did uh, Game Revolution's review yeah, for Yeah, I it. did our review. Um, man, God of War. Uh... What did you give it, first of all? I gave it a 5 out of 5. So it's perfect score. Best, best game of 2018 so far. Um, maybe I, the best game for PS4 That's so That's what I would say. I was going to say in, in what I've... Pl- in my playthrough, I'm, I would say best game of, of PS4. I mean, it's just... It's like how Breath of the Wild, I don't know, made me feel when I played it. It was just... It used the PS4's capabilities perfectly. Uh, I don't know. It, it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It was a, there's a few games I play and review that I'm like, man, I hope this never ends. Usually by the time I get, uh, get done, get to the, the end of the plot, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I, this game was good, but I, I'm ready to move on. But, but not for this one. You know, I could have played this for another 40 hours easy. Even um, at 30 hours, it didn't feel too long? No. It was like, um, I would say the plot was, the main quest was just long enough. Like, it was maybe the perfect length. Um, yeah, it really, quests, it really is paced very, very perfectly. Even between, yeah. you know, you're about to talk about side quests, but even between the main story points and the side quests and kind of the, would you call it an open world? Kind of? Semi open? Yeah, it's it's kind of Darksiders esque in terms of that, that kind of open world. Open enough. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it keeps you on track pretty well. Um, but you're going to talk about the side quests. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, the, the main quest was good, but just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a game with side quests that I don't know, felt, felt so vital to uh, understanding the world. Like, there is just so much optional stuff in this game that 
it doesn't feel tacked on. It's not like fetch quests and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about this game, really. I mean, I, I went on for 3,000 words last night, and, you know, I had to cut myself short. <laughs> you had to stop yourself uh, from writing more about it? <laughs> yeah. It was, A, because of the, the there's still a, a fairly restrictive embargo in effect until the 19th. So I had to stop myself before I... I no, so we I, can't talk about we can't talk about the ending then. No, <laughs> and we also cannot do a walkthrough on the podcast. <laughs> no, uh, no. The one thing that I saw that lots of people um, saying like well, maybe a negative thing about it was the um, that it had a uh, not as much as a sense of scale as the other ones because of the camera placement. Is that like an issue at all? Uh, I don't feel that it doesn't. Uh, uses many like gigantic gods and you know beasts as uh the first the first part of the god of war series but it does when it wants to show scale i think it does it well but it's since it's a more personal experience between kratos and atreus i think they kind of step back from that you know let's let's have kratos climb on top of a titan and uh stab it in the neck they i think they uh there, there were a few encounters that were reminiscent of those those giant boss battles, but I don't think that was really the point of the game. I think they kind of hmm. yeah. shied away from that to not detract from Kratos and Atreus' relationship. How different is it to the other games? Because it, it seems like a big, like a massive departure from the old games. It is, I would say it's more similar to the old games than you would think. Like, just from from the looks yes the closer angle uh and going back to that just just briefly i think the closer angle actually makes the world seem bigger like the old god of war games just kind of seemed small because you were more of a fly on the wall whereas with this one because you are right over his shoulder it it really enhances the scale of things that aren't aren't quite as big and so even though there aren't as many of those those big bombastic you know climb up the the side of a titan that's a mountain style of encounters still has some of those kind of effects but what you get is the smaller encounters can actually feel bigger because of the new camera placement um yeah yeah it it avoids uh i don't know if anybody else can identify with this but in the old god of war games no matter what was going on in the background like it, it's always very apparent you're only really in a small square fighting, you know, uh, waves of enemies. Like the background is what makes it feel big, but in this game, it's actually you know the area that makes it feel big. Like you, it, you don't ever feel confined because there's always somewhere to go. It's it it's, uh, it's linear enough to keep the story tight, but it's open enough to where you don't ever feel trapped into one course of action and is it still fighting the same uh, amount of like the waves of enemies because from the pre-release footage it seemed like you're just handling two or three enemies at a given time i mean it, it gets up there you know I'm yeah probably i'd say the max i encountered was probably you know 10 maybe 10 at a time eight to 10 at a time mm-hmm. um it starts yeah, you off easy but it definitely ramps up the encounters as the game goes on as is there you, any kind of combo system or anything? Yes, some, somewhat. 
I mean, it's not counting like a multiplier on the side of the screen going times three, times four, times five, but uh, no. you unlock different uh, combos and moves and, and things that uh, will... Uh, uh, sorry, Chandler, you might want to turn the uh, push to talk off because it's cutting you out. Oh, I need to talk louder then. Um, <laughs> so you you will get additional upgrades and um, combo moves and, and different things that will allow you to do, you know, like an R1, 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 R2, or mm. a, uh, a different things like that. Um, that, yeah, when you start out, you're only going to be facing two, three enemies on screen at a time. But as you gain more and more of those skills, it does kind of require that uh, bigger enemy or I don't know what I'm trying to say. Lost my train of thought there, but yeah, lots of enemies, big combos. Woo. <laughs> yeah. I would, the, say, uh, on. Uh, I would say this game is more about like crowd control than hack and slash. Um, towards the end, you do get enough combos to where it, it, it kind of starts feeling like the original God of War. Mm. Um, but it's more about using, it's more about positioning you know, keeping enemies away, using Atreus, you know, he can shoot his bow, um, using him to kind of keep enemies at bay while you take care of uh, singular targets. But uh, uh, it was satisfying. But it also, uh, I noticed the the one bad thing I have to say about the game, and I'll get that mm -hmm. out of the way, and it's something that affects pretty much every third-person game I've, I've played this generation. Um, is the camera. It's like sometimes you just cannot mm -hmm. keep that camera spinning fast enough to uh, yeah. to keep track of everybody. But like I said in the review, um, I didn't really hold it against the game because it's like that's a... I think it's just a limitation of of the controls of the PS4 more so than the game. Well, Kratos seems to take up a big portion of the, um, of the screen as well. I'm not really a huge fan of that look. Resident Evil 4, really close to the shoulders kind of camera. Seems to use that. Uh, you know, I didn't really notice it causing an no. issue. Um, I want to say the camera might pull back slightly during combat. Oh, uh, right, okay. Is it the one camera angle throughout? Because I read something that said there's just, even in terms of cutscenes and stuff, that it's just the same camera angle throughout the whole thing. Not the one camera shot, sorry, not angle. Not yet. It it is one one shot. Uh, feasibly, if you started up the game and played from start to end without turning it off, um, it well, I guess aside from jumping into menus, but um, to do to do upgrades and stuff, but it never cuts away from Kratos. even even going into cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, going into cutscenes, it it smoothly transitions from gameplay into cutscene camera will kind of swing around show you what you need to see go into each moment and then comfortably settle back over kratos's shoulder to go right back into gameplay right okay. how does the how is um how's the combat handled like how does that work um uh, oh go ahead uh, uh i mean you you just uh i'd say it's I don't know you you go right into it it's not it's not like a cutscene for every combat scene it's like you enemies will pop up basically it's not a production like i would say the previous god of war games usually uh 
you'd walk a little bit, get a cutscene, and then you were fighting a wave of enemies. And then you walk a little bit, get a cutscene, fight a wave of enemies. For the most part, you know. But in this game, you know, they're 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 placed uh, just often enough, I guess, to keep you from getting bored of walking. Yeah. Um. It's it's not unmanageable. There's not like a ton of enemies. They're I would say enemy placements really well. You know, they they picked just the right spots to keep a good balance between feeling overwhelmed and tired of combat and getting bored of not having enough combat. Yeah. Are there many, like, um, we said about scale earlier on, but are there many of those, uh, like, giant boss battles? I suppose you can't really mention too much because the embargo, but... Um, I'm trying to think of how many there are. I will. Um, I'd just say that that uh, players will be satisfied if if they like right. previous God of Wars. Um, there, there are a satisfactory amount, and and going into this realizing that this is kind of the the restart of of a new chapter of God of War two. Yeah. You, you can't compare this to kind of the bombastic stuff that maybe we saw in God of War two and three. You have to go back to to God of War one, and kind of. Uh, that's where the comparison of, of scale should lie on this one because this is him, you know, the the first part of just getting into the, the Norse mytholo- mythology side of things. Um, so on, on that comparison, there are definitely moments that, you know, kind of had me gasp and <coughs> saying like, wow, this is, yeah, this is God of War. Yeah. How does it switch over from Norse to um, from Greek mythology to Norse? You know they don't really worry about getting too far into that. Um, this uh, this is, um, I mean, the story focuses so heavily on Kratos and Atreus and their relationship that yeah. they kind of skim around the fact that Kratos uh, is now in Midgard. Um, yeah, it's acknowledged. But he skirt he skirts the question a lot. Um, I know I th- pre-release the the way that they talked about it was that it was it was kind of after got the end of the events of God of War three, he kind of slunk off and and wanted to escape his past, and that's where he ended up. Is just ended up in a completely different <laughs> mythology. Well, and, and they're, <laughs> they're like, oh shit, what's happened? Their whole thing is that mythologies are uh, in in this particular world are regionally based. Um, right. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. So he's he's moved country. So therefore, he's in a different. I guess that then that really opens it up to um, like we spoke on the last podcast, the different uh, mythologies for like Egyptian or something. You could go into quite a few. Yeah, yeah, because realistically, all he needs to do is is change regions, get a flight, and yeah, get a flight over to <laughs> to the Great Pyramids, and he's fighting <laughs> yeah. Ra. Yeah, that's a good idea. That that, like, that just basically ensures that it's just never ending sequels now, doesn't it? It feels like Assassin's Creed all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> just there we are. Our annual upgrades for God of War. No, I I don't think they should do annual upgrades, but I'm I'm really already. I mean, God of War is not even out officially yet, and I'm already looking forward to what Sony Santa Monica does with. Uh, I, will they call it God of War Two again? I mean, <laughs> uh, they have to, I don't know. I know. 
they've already said that the next one's going to be uh, set in Midgar again. Yeah, so, yeah, it's continuation yeah, of of this new chapter. But yeah, like how do you how do you name the next God of War? Because this one technically wasn't God of War four. Yeah. God of War two thousand and nineteen five. That's what yeah, we're doing. I, I guess they'll just go the EA route and just God of War, <laughs> God of War two. Just do two K. God of God of War two K nineteen. Yeah, I was gonna say just do the the year that it comes out. Yeah, and just have like Kratos with like a hockey mask and everything on at the front. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I, I, I've never like considering. I, I, don't, I haven't played a God of War game. Um, before I'm definitely interested in this. Well, I'm particularly interested now. I don't think I read something, hasn't it? It's not got a review below an eight. I think everything's eight and above. I don't think I've seen that before, other than maybe Breath of the Wild. But I think even then there was a couple of outliers. Uh, everything is eight and above, and um, the meta score on it right now is 94, which currently sets it as the third highest PS4 game this year, under only. Grand Theft Auto 5 and The Last of Us Remastered. So as an original PS4 game, it is currently the best original PS4 game. Oh really? What's it like in terms of what what did what did Breath of the Wild and everything get? Didn't Breath of the Wild get like 98 or something? I think it was like 97 <coughs> or 98, yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's still a ways off. When, That's impressive though. When you look at the best games of all time, there it it's it's probably in a pantheon of about 50 games, but you look at the other names of of these you know legendary games on that list and it it has very good company <laughs> yeah yeah i'm interested to see how how it um how it performs i should imagine it'll do really well but i wonder whether it'll actually will be um like a, a new system seller for it well and i know and and uh cam has been a little quiet but i know he can kind of jump in on this one uh, i'm really curious with even with as good uh, as ratings as it's getting um how it will fare next to spider-man coming later this year because personally i think that spider-man has a wider appeal even though in my opinion and from what i've seen i think that god of war will be uh, the better game and maybe the better rated game i don't know it's going to be tough but um i think the marvel stuff just has a wider appeal overall uh to get into more households I, I guess I'll finally speak up before talking so much. But um, I could see God of War being better on a Metacritic score, but I think Spider-Man will be the better game and the more popular game overall. I think it's just it's <clears throat> it's difficult for anything to really compete with Marvel. Uh, uh, it's, like you said, it has got a much more a much broader appeal than um, than God of War, but. I should imagine that God of War probably have more legs than Spider-Man will. I don't know. I, I, I've seen a lot, a lot of really good things about Spider-Man, but um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna quite be up there with with the likes of God of War and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say because I mean they they are fundamentally two very different games as well, and and they're kind of going for two very different audiences but when when you consider families with ps4s i mean just god of war's mature rating alone is going to keep it out of some houses um yeah and then the fact that 
a, a lot of God of War is based on the nostalgia of, oh, I loved this game as a kid or I heard about this game a lot, you know, when, when I was younger uh, and, and loved the original games and, oh, wow, it's finally back and I get to continue on this journey with Kratos, whereas Spider-Man is just a universally beloved character. I mean, he's one of... You ask people who their favorite hero is and there's like probably a 25% chance they're going to say Spider-Man out of everybody. Yeah. Uh, how is it for people who haven't um, played a God of War game before? Uh, would it, is it easy enough to pick up and go into it? Yeah, they they definitely wrote it in a way that uh, you could just pick this up blind and uh, get as much out of it as someone who's played the whole series. Uh, I read an article that they actually kind of had misgivings. Like, they, they, they wanted to link it back to the other games more um but it was decided to go ahead and kind of detach it and make it its own kind of new continuity um mm. that, and that's that's why they did the whole god of war no no number thing to like signify this is a new beginning for the series uh yeah that being said those who have played the the previous games w- are, will be sufficiently rewarded. It, it is something that's, you know, there is some knowledge and some uh, some experience that comes from those games that is rewarded within this game. If for nothing else, then then just you know, kind of seeing Kratos finally worn out of you know what are we talking seven other games I think, uh, and and just his worn out where he's just. He's tired of the rage, and you can see when he'll get mad at uh, Atreus sometimes where he'll have to steel himself a little bit and be like, no, I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore. I want to cool it. <laughs> Chill, Dad Kratos. <laughs> so, still, uh, he's, he's, he's still plenty angry. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. There's there's still lots of rage there. Plenty plenty of anger to to play with, but um uh, is that something that's like um addressed in like greater detail because obviously the the old God of War games were quite uh campy with the way that they handled um the ultra violence and stuff. Is that a thing that's got more of a realistic take now? Has it gone like the Rise of the Tomb Raider angle where Kratos is dealing with his emotions of his past experiences as, a, as an absolute bastard. Uh, actually, yes, I would say that's that's a um, large part of what this this narrative really covers. And you can see, I mean from the from the opening scene, it's clear the expressive emotiveness in in Kratos about kind of his this internal conflict and that remorse for how rage-filled he was and how this anguish has consumed his life. With Kratos, when you're... Uh, even that very opening scene of of this new God of War, you can see this anguish and this remorse and this, this kind of uh, internal conflict within him over what a life of violence has, has brought him and how he's just been dealing with this uh, this his whole life and he realizes that he doesn't want war and violence to be his entire life but then what's it like in terms of violence in this game then if that if that's the case how does it is it still as violent as the other ones 
Yes, but it feels the the journey for the violence I think feels more relevant in terms yeah. of what he's doing is not simply this rage induced like oh I have to kill all the gods because I'm I'm so mad at them for what they did but it's more violence out of necessity uh protecting his son and kind of his teaching his son and his quest for uh, what what he needs to do is the actual is it was going like uh, like you said about the um the old god of wars where he's trying to go and fight the gods would discussing what his end goal is here be spoilers um so starting off the game you're i, I don't know jason do you know <laughs> if we can talk about that <laughs> i think we can talk about the the start uh yeah. because the uh, the start of the game is is him uh taking his his wife's and atreus's mother's uh ashes um and delivering them to their final resting place that's kind of the the what sets them on their journey oh so the journey is to the resting place yeah right okay who is atreus's mother uh can't <laughs> oh, oh okay <laughs> It's the sheer awkwardness. Just yeah. <laughs> a Sony representative just peering through Jason's window. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's fine. It's it's funny. Uh, God of War is actually really hard to talk about about why it it is so good yeah. without going into too much detail and spoiling things. And it's like, there's so many things I I could go on for another couple hours just on the, the nuance and the detail and the reveals and, and just all these little things that they have in it. But you, you can't (laughs) because that's, it's better experienced fresh and, you know, embargo. (laughs) Unlike a lot of games, pretty much everything comes back to itself as far as the plot goes like they don't leave any loose ends uh even as far as like gameplay mechanics like fast travel and stuff it's it's like they explain how it works you know they explain why it works and i don't know the the world is so woven together that when you talk about one part of it it's like you really want to you know it's hard not to say well this this links into this part you know later on and then uh, it's hard not to be vague i had uh, a terrible time writing the review because i really just wanted to be like you know oh the story's so good and here's why but yeah yeah no and and with that i think we should probably <laughs> yeah. stop Let's talking go, about yeah. it because we yeah we're really skirting on the edge of yeah. of uh, spoiler territory I, I, just a final thing that I will say is like it is it is so good to go into this game just kind of fresh like don't look things up on it try to avoid spoilers try to avoid that and just just enjoy this game for what it is and how it opens up and how it unfolds and it, it, it's really good yeah go team go to war Right, uh, what have we got next? Um, I guess the, the aside from God of War, the major thing that's happened this week was um, the Lawbreakers devs with the new Battle Royale, Radical Heights. I, I, 
I can't believe it. I just, I, I, is it, is it doing well? I haven't, I haven't followed it. You know, so today, uh, I saw uh, somebody on Twitter, um, post a, a screenshot of Twitch and of, um, Radical Heights beating PUBG and Fortnite and League of Legends at the top with like 90,000 concurrent viewers. And I just assumed, well, this is like a, a parody tweet. There's no way this is happening. Go on to Twitch, yeah. That was a thing that was going on for a while. Like, obviously, I think it was like a combined two big streamers and stuff, but it's still going strong now. But it's definitely better than anything that Lawbreakers did immediately. Um, <laughs> but I can't believe... I, genu- I, I don't understand who that game is supposed to appeal to. I mean, I'm I'm all for the lots of people dipping into the battle royale genre because I, I like battle royale games. I really like Fortnite. Um, I liked PUBG, uh, but Radical Heights. It's just it's. Um, I'm not sure who said it. I think I think Max said it. Uh, one of our staff. Um, so Fortnite is literally enjoyed by people who were born like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then this Radical Heights has come in with its 80s aesthetic. People who are playing Radical Heights don't have a fucking clue <laughs> what's going on there. They do not understand anything that's in that game. The cosmetics, which are obviously the big draw for Fortnite, uh, which is obviously how they get their money with it being free to play. The cosmetics for Fortnite, I'm not into my cosmetics, but the Fortnite... Uh, cosmetics objectively look decent they are they're good outfits they've got the John Wick outfit uh, they've got your Spaceman outfit dinosaur outfit they tick all the boxes and then you've got Radical Heights which has got like Daisy Duke shorts with <laughs> bright pink neon t-shirt and uh, Guns and Roses hair and I just don't know who is going to buy these things I don't understand the appeal but it must be doing okay, slightly better than Lawbreakers was at least. I mean, it's got more than 10 concurrent players. So. <laughs> well, yeah, so people are playing it, but are they spending money? You know, that's the question is how successful is it in terms of bringing in revenue to uh, a studio that was admittedly struggling there for a bit? Yeah, I can completely understand why they've done it. I mean, it, obviously, anybody who makes a Battle Royale game now which is weird because it's a perfectly viable genre for, to, to go into, but anybody who makes a Battle Royale game now, they're going to look desperate. There is nobody who could come up with it. Even, like, the story of, like, um, the rumour that Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, might have a Battle Royale game. Like, you just think, well, you're just trying to milk the cash cow or whatever, even though that will probably be really good. But you just can't do it without looking desperate. So for, like, Boss Key to have struggled with lawbreakers so much and then just like release an update just like all right guys so lawbreakers yeah not so good but we're working on a passion project now and then the next day it's just like 80s battle royale with bicycles <laughs> you know, oh shit well, what have you done and not only working on a passion project but hey we're working on it next day it released <laughs> what? they've called it extreme early access <laughs> with an x no way extreme early access and i looked and i was like god i hate this so much that i might love it 
that it won't be a thing that I actually love. Extreme early access. There was like, you can develop this game alongside us. And it was just like, no, it just means that your game's barely finished. The 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 world of um the world of uh Radical Heights looks like Goat Simulator's world. It's literally <laughs> copy and pasted from Goat Simulator, the textures and everything. Like, I've played a lot of Goat Simulator. Funnily enough, I reviewed it when I was just, uh, when I just did a little bit of freelance work for Game Revolution. So I've played Goat Simulator for more hours than I should have done. And I was just like, they've made Goat Simulator Battle Royale, but minus goats. So I don't know what's going on there, but I mean, maybe it's good. I don't really have a lot of positive to say about it because Lawbreakers was absolutely garbage in every way, shape, or form. There was nothing good about that game. <laughs> nothing redeeming. I was actually oh, yeah, mad was that okay. I got it for free. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. And and I may be one of the few people. I think Fortnite is terrible. It bored me to tears. I, oh, I love I, it. I couldn't stand mm. it. And so that whole model along with the fact that it's the same people that brought me lawbreakers i'm this is a hard pass i won't even did try you play it. any PUBG at all or is the was Fortnite the only battle royale game that you played what 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 systems is the pub one on uh pc and now xbox no, so I, is didn't, that, no. I didn't play it <laughs> no, no. i have mobile can you play PUBG on mobile i think you can can't you no i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't I'm recommend playing them on mobile no i tried playing Fortnite on mobile and it maybe want to flush the thing down the toilet but um, no, I, I love uh, Fortnite Battle Royale. I think I think it's a really good game. Um, the like quick building mechanics, I think it makes it much better and much more uh, much more appealing than PUBG. But uh, yeah, Radical Hides, no hard pass, hard hard. I'm saying this. I haven't played it, Jason. Haven't you played it? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I played it. Um, and it already has more stable netcode than PUBG, so it's got that yeah, yeah. for it. But, there you uh, go. Exactly. It's like, boss key, I think their biggest problem is they just have no, it's like they can make a decent game foundation, uh, usually based, well, so far based on another game, but a decent foundation. Um, and it's like they have no idea what to do with it then. It's like once it, when it comes to textures and art assets, they're just lost. They're like, oh my God. Uh, we made this Fortnite clone, but we have to put visual assets in it. What should we do? <laughs> we have to, we have to do stuff. And with it's it like uh, Cliffy B saw, I don't know, uh, Saturday Night Fever or something, <laughs> and it was like neon, neon, eighties, white trash. Here we go. <laughs> and then he scrolled through his Steam logger and, and saw Goat Simulator and was like, "Oh shit! <laughs> Let's use those textures. Merge the two. <laughs> Who need to, uh, most of the buildings aren't even textures, textured. So it's like, in part, they were like, who needs textures? People aren't, looking, <laughs> people don't need those. We'll just have big brown buildings. It's I like, would think it was, I would think it's probably a similar conversation that was had before Lawbreakers. Like they said, hey, Cliffy B, what kind of art direction should we go with? And he's like, well, I'm standing next to a gray building with five <laughs> different shades of gray. Perfect. Let's go. <laughs> the thing that I liked about Lawbreakers was that he'd obviously thought about making like this uh, squad-based uh, FPS and then thought, what do people like about Overwatch? And then thought, well, the colourful cast of characters. And then was like, yeah, no, not, not that. Get rid of that. Just Let's just have just a bunch of these generic... Well, they look space marines in there 
thrown in that can rocket jump around. I don't know, man. It just it always seems like it's a, these two things seem like half a good idea, but then not the full one. Yeah, it's it's like uh, Blazinski and, and and I mean you know bless him right <laughs> bless, yeah. bless him Cliffy oh, bless him. But he seems to latch onto these ideas that that are popular and and big, and he's like, oh well, okay, Call of Duty's big, Overwatch is big. Let's make this Call of Duty Overwatch crossover, and then do some things to try and make it our own. But then when he's capturing what, like you said, what people love about Overwatch and what people love about about Call of Duty and and these different games, he doesn't capture the right aspects of it. No, nah. you know it's kind of my big one of my biggest problem with Des- with with Destiny Two. We won't go too far down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> uh, you know when Bungie originally released Destiny Two, a lot of what they put into that was not capturing what people actually loved about the first game, and that seems to be what Boss Key is doing with did with Lawbreakers, and then again with Radical Heights. It's like okay, capitalizing on something that's just there. You know, oh uh, yeah, battle royale stuff is there. It's popular. It's common. We can we can crap something out really quickly because I mean, Lawbreakers came out what a year ago at most. Yeah, and they already like have Radical Heights ready to go. Uh, yeah, I don't know when they would have made Radical Heights. Uh, it must they, have just been like while they were doing it. They started developing it the second Lawbreakers released because they knew it was garbage. <laughs> which I'm, the last thing I'll say about this piece of crap game is it Radical Heights or Lawbreakers? Uh, no, Lawbreakers, uh, but I'm sure Radical Heights as well. Is Lawbreakers should have stuck to just being a animated short? Like they could have made it into a really cool like two hour animated movie, and it would have been awesome. And then they decided to make a game out of it. Make a full game out and, of it. And yeah. probably would have made as much money, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, a, it's just, it, there's stuff with like Cliff Blazinski, like Cliff Blazinski. Is, is, um, it, I don't know, it just seems like his stuff is always quite dated when it releases. And I feel like with Gears of War, like obviously the cover system and everything was really revolutionary for its time. But like in terms of the whole, like um, the concept behind it, it was very like dude bro. 80s action film and then Lawbreaker seems to be like trying to go back to Quake but then with like some different changes but then people don't like care about Quake anymore do they? <laughs> like I guess there's like a handful of people maybe who are like really desperate to go back to land parties and stuff but then everybody else just wants loot boxes and so I feel like he's listening to that now and he's like, well, good, they love loot boxes. People can't get enough of these things, so let's make a vehicle for that. But then still so dated. It's just like, well, just do it with 80s. I don't get it. It's it's not it's not a good idea for a game, but maybe maybe the... Uh... Uh, it, it's strange because they're, they're fundamentally sound games. Like, there's... I, I can say nothing really terrible about Lawbreakers mechanically. <laughs> Uh, I think Cameron just burst. I mean, from, from what I played with it, it was a playable game. Uh, you know, it, it it wasn't just a mess, yeah. except for aesthetically. So it's like, <laughs> it's like you can. Sorry, go ahead. I, I don't know. Maybe our experience is different. I, I played it, and I didn't run into a lot of like glitchiness or. Or, or, you know, it was playable. It works. It's I'm functional. sorry, that was rude. <laughs> um, and I even liked the uh, the mode where you, there was the ball and anti-gravity. I don't remember what it was called. But it was 
probably the most unique part of the game. Um, but it's just strange that he can they can make a game, they can make it function decently, which is more than a lot of studios can do. And but they just completely miss the mark with injecting any kind of personality or soul into it. It's like they basically need to hire a YouTuber to just come into their offices and then just say, what shall we go with now? And then he'll just walk into Boss Key like, hi guys, YouTuber here. <laughs> you need to start putting funny hats on these people. This isn't going to work out otherwise. Where's your funny hats? All right. Well, Radical Heights. I think we've talked more about it than any of us actually want to play. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the subject. God of War. Who cares? I think we talked more about Lawbreakers. <laughs> <or> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so pushing past that one, uh, we've got, uh, reports have been flying around recently about the PlayStation five. Let's, there we go. God of war, PlayStation five. There's SEO all over, mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they've been saying like there was a big leak that said it could possibly release this year and, and had a bunch of things like uh, dev kits have gone out earlier this year to, to developers, which honestly it's not going to release the same year that dev kits are first sent out. It'll release a couple of years later. Uh, And then uh, what was it? Kotaku, I think had a report that said our sources say that no, it's, it's more likely to release 2020 plans are always changing, but that's the current, kind of trajectory for it uh, i could see dev kits actually going out this year and then it would probably be 2020 i mean i, I don't see the rush on sony's side of things the ps4 no. is still selling really well we've seen with god of war that there's still chances to up the ante and create better experiences on the ps4 so i don't see what the rush is xbox is kind of way down there i don't even think sony can see them anymore no um, and Switch is a completely different experience for kids. So, oh. um, no, nah, I take that back. But I, I don't think there's any rush for them. I think 2020 is a pretty good-looking year for that. Yeah. Like you said about the dev kits, the dev kits could be something as simple as literally just like a, a PC with the uh, roughly the same GPU yeah. and everything inside it at this point. Uh, doesn't mean anything. And plus the um, that article that did the leak or whatever at the start, it was hidden behind a $1,000 paywall. So, I mean, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was, if, any, if there's, there's not a bigger red flag, that was like a red monument. It wasn't so much a red flag. Um, well, yeah. the, that site has had um, a previous success with reporting on console development and things oh, really? like that. Uh, which is why we even bothered reporting on it in the first place, because if if not, yeah, we're not going to go to some no-name site and the, the what was it, the Reset Era... Uh, yeah, the Reset Era forum compiled it, didn't it? Compiled, because somebody managed to get in there and see it, and so they kind of compiled some of the, the data yeah. that was in there. Bless that one soul who paid $1,000 <laughs> for the forum post. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that... Uh, they they have had previous success with with their reporting on you know hey this is going to happen this is going to happen oh right okay. we have word about this so there was some some clout to their their but, reporting I think that they were just estimating 2018 without completely understanding 
development processes, you know, by thinking, oh, dev kits went out this year, so it's going to release this year. So like, it was, yeah. they didn't actually explicitly say PS4, P- uh, PS5 release in 2018, it was dev kits 2018, but then they made their own assumptions. Yeah, they, they made kind of these broad sweeping yeah. assumptions that, oh, it, well, it, it's possible that it could release in 2018. It's like, no, yeah. no. With, with the number of games that Sony has on deck right now, for ps4 yeah going into 2019 you're you're not going to completely you know chop those off at the knees by releasing a ps5 well you've got four system sellers coming out quite consecutively you've got god of war which i should imagine will do really well then spider-man then uh rdr2 is that uh is red dead 2 come out uh october yeah, you've got uh, Quantic Dreams, uh, Detroit. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got <laughs> you have Black Ops Four, which will sell a ton. Yeah, Media Molecules, true. Dreams coming oh, out. And that's Media, all. Oh god, it's Dreams coming out this year. Yeah, that's all just 2018. Oh, that's not even considering what's been pushed into 2019. Yeah, there's no way. Well, it's it, uh, it hasn't sales haven't declined for the PS4, have they? So no, I would think you see. 2019 at the PlayStation Experience, they'll reveal it. And then... At which, sorry, the 2018 PlayStation Experience or 2019? 2019. Yeah. You, are you talking the PS5? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm thinking, look what they did with PS4. They had an exclusive event just to reveal the PS4. They're not going to take one of their other shows that already has a bunch of games and stuff at it and you know try and piggyback on it to do a a full console reveal i think they'll do its own separate full event just like they did with ps4 yeah 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 i don't know 2020 seems uh seems like a decent uh prediction to me i did like in the kotaku report that was um uh basically saying about how they passed over the information about um to their sources about PS5 releasing in 2018 and just the sources just apparently it was just like in text and our sources laughed <laughs> so, <laughs> just thought, oh okay so that's not happening then I guess but um, no I'm looking for to, to be honest I, I am completely comfortable with this console generation just continuing indefinitely at this point uh, you know you've got the PS4 Pro uh, Xbox One X I mean where would they go from I guess making it native 4K on both consoles, but even then, are, are there really that many people, uh, even within the next two years, who are going to have 4K TVs as standard, and particularly 4K HDR TVs? I don't think it's the point where that's the common standard now, so I don't know. Uh, and I, I think I see PS5 being kind of that same... You know, PS4 Pro is... is uh, the ps4.5 yeah ps5 is just the next step up we're likely going they're, they're not going to destroy people's digital libraries at this point no like people have invested way too much money you know it's like buying buying music uh, and if you get oh, a new yeah. version of itunes you don't lose all your music and have to rebuy it all for the new version or whatever so uh they're not going to kill people's digital libraries at this point at the very least if not full disc based games being backwards compatible I am 98% sure PS5 will have backwards compatibility with your complete digital library. Oh, sure. Like, well, I could imagine the uproar if they didn't at this point. 
Um, we don't really in the UK uh, on consoles, digital downloads haven't really. I'm assuming they've taken off, but my god, they're expensive. Is there like parity between like the price of physical and digital in the US because there is none of it here? Uh, there's there's no price difference here. It's just oh really? Yeah, it's so uh, over here usually you get like um, physical you can buy for like forty pounds. And then uh, digital, a lot of the time, up to like sixty pounds, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. So I mean, that's like oh, ninety dollars. I mean, post-release, once once you get into that, yeah, the I, I'd say physical drops and gets sales and stuff a lot faster than than digital games do for sure. Yeah, it's, that's that's release. <laughs> that's our release prices over here. It's just one of my friends has literally just got a hard drive filled with. Um, filled with uh, digital games and I have no idea why because it's cheaper just to order order physical over here but yeah I can't see them they're not going to get rid of your digital library that's surely going to all carry over because people have invested thousands and thousands at this point but yeah so so what else would would you want you say you would be fine with this generation kind of continuing indefinitely um, ideally and I guess this was kind of one of the reader questions we had last time but uh ideally what would you like to see the next generation of console do what for you would be a seller for like the the ps5 the xbox 2 you know whatever um what would be this the seller for you to get that new system (laughs) (laughs) you know you know i think like this is going to sound really uh really shit now but with a PC, there's not really... When you've got, like, a high-end PC, I guess, there's not really a great deal that, like, consoles can offer you outside of games, really. So it's literally just what the consoles will have in terms of games. I'm not really bothered about playing uh, my console games for uh, visuals now because literally I'll just get the best performance out of buying them on PC, with most most games now, particularly on Xbox, you can just buy your Xbox One games on PC. Um, so it's just exclusives, really. Um, and that's that's the only thing that... I, I do like the idea of... Um, I do, I, VR. Uh, I, I wish they'd have put more effort into VR for consoles because it's cheaper to jump on. Um, I know Jason's got a few VR headsets, but I've just never... Aside from getting the PSVR, I've never really felt compelled to spend however many hundreds with setting anything up on the PC. I would like them to do more uh, weird stuff that's more accessible uh, and cheaper um, in in that realm. I'm quite disappointed that the Xbox One X, after advertising its uh, VR capabilities, hasn't done anything uh, of the sort with that, and I don't think it's going to. So. But yeah, that's me. Yeah, I think... Uh... This is the first console generation I haven't, you know, it hit the five-year mark and been like, you know, it, it, it's time for something new. It's time yeah. to upgrade these visuals or something. I, with the, the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, you know, kind of filling as a stopgap, like, I, I I feel like this, this generation could last another four years. You know, I could see 2022 being when we see new consoles if if at all or i could definitely see there just being a change to just platforms ps you know the ps4 platform and the xbox platform which microsoft has been trying to push for a while 
you know, instead yeah. of console generations, it's like, uh, you know, games would just be compatible with multiple consoles to a degree, and you'd get like what you have now with uh, PS4 versus PS4 Pro. You know, uh, yeah, you, you you just if you buy the new machine, you get a, a, a slightly higher fidelity experience. So, yeah. um, and then you know, at some point, they they cut off the oldest model and be like, this game is only compatible with these machines. But I could see it switching to a more PC uh, type situation where you're upgrading to new hardware instead of a new console. What do you mean, like fiddling around with it, like the internals, or not just buying a PS4 Pro 2 or something? Just self-contained. I I, I would think that consoles would keep, you know, their ease of use. Yeah, but uh, I think the big war will be between exclusives, like you were saying. I think we're about to see... You know, probably, probably a lot of odd moves in the market to tie up exclusives for the Xbox or the PS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's. Uh, I I think it's going to be very interesting going into the next generation, um, and and I'm hoping to be really surprised. I'm hoping that they come up with something that we haven't really thought of yet, and that we as gamers are. are on kind of this this tack and this direction of of thinking and suddenly they kind of come out of left field with this with something <laughs> you know that that will really surprise us and really make the next generation of consoles kind of work and and push forward uh more than cuz the leap from PS2 to PS3 I think was way bigger than the leap from ps3 to ps4 even though this generation has been fantastic and has been great it ultimately made the ps3 generation feel more like a stopgap between ps2 and ps4 Mm. especially when you go to like the things that were released at the latter end of the ps3 life cycle like the last of us i mean i should imagine looking at like playthroughs or something of the last of us before it got remastered you could probably see a notable difference but like it, it it felt amazing to look at at the time and you didn't and that was towards the end wasn't it and you you know when i when i jumped onto ps4 i wasn't like blown away like i was say the jump from xbox to xbox 360 or ps2 to ps3 uh i can't really think of what they could potentially do uh i know that's their job <laughs> but like with um with nintendo like you know with the switch that was something that when i saw it i was like i'd never even thought of having something like that but now now that i'm playing it and using it i can't imagine wanting anything different than something i can just pick up and then go and play or you know put on the tv i can't imagine what sony or microsoft or anybody could make that would still keep up with their audience which is basically people who want high-powered games without paying for a pc uh, that would really change the the record i don't know yeah i think part of the 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 feeling of such a jump between ps2 and ps3 was because everyone was kind of in the change between tube tvs and uh lcd tvs at the time too so it's like yeah, uh, yeah. i remember going from you know ps2 on a, a 20 inch tube tv to you know ps3 on like a 40 inch plasma screen yeah. So 
that definitely and, and you know the change of aspect from four three to like sixteen nine was a big jump. Yeah, powers combined. I just remember having to when you got like the PS three, just having to carry the old TV out to get rid of it and just dying under the weight of it. So at least we won't have that issue when the like twelve uh, k TVs come out or whatever. You you'll just be able to like be able to like put them in your pocket and just get rid of them. I should imagine. I, I think it's just uh, there. There's just not that much more hardware for the the ps4 or the ps5 to take advantage of you know 4k is not that big of a jump uh just like ps4 isn't that big of a jump from ps3 you know 4k isn't that big of a jump from 1080 like it's cool it looks crisp but it's not it's not i i think people in general see it as an unnecessary upgrade i think that's one thing that's stopping people from adopting it at a higher rate and until there's something to pair, uh, you know, a console with that that makes has that wow factor, I don't think we'll see. You know, is, is it won't be as shocking uh, when a new console generation comes out. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's too expensive for too moderate of an upgrade right now. I mean, it is getting a lot a lot cheaper than than it used to be, certainly. Um, but the fact that to do even simulated 4k gaming and like checkerboard and stuff i have to buy a new console and a new tv it's just like well my ps4 is working fine 1080 still looks great yeah you know i i'm i played god of war on a a traditional ps4 not even a ps4 pro on on a 1080 screen and it looked great looked fine it's not even that much of a big like the ps4 and the ps4 pro i'm still not really I don't really understand the game plan there. I should imagine a lot of people have bought it, but I, it's just not that. Like the Xbox One to the Xbox One X, when I first plugged that in, I was like, holy shit, that's a that's a whole thing. Playing like Battlefront 2, and it was like, I actually was on a Star Destroyer or whatever. But then PS, PS4 to PS4 Pro, it's just a, it's the same thing. I don't, I don't get it. So, but yeah. I, all they need to do for the PS5, they just need to come out, and then all the lights go low, and then little big planet four comes on the screen and then that's a day one purchase for me straight away that's all i need meet a molecule <laughs> meet a mole- molecule developing it not the uh not the whoever was in charge of little big planet throw that'll be that'll be more forget them working on new ideas with dreams go back to the old stuff i want new stuff just the old stuff no evolutions of ideas here we <laughs> no yeah just re- play the same song again please that, that anything else makes me scared <laughs> All right. Uh, well, looks like we've got a couple other tidbits on here. I don't know which ones we want to go over and cover. We're running short yeah. on time. All right, we could get probably get one more one more in. Uh, Cameron mentioned the uh, Shadow of More Microtransa- Shadow of War microtransactions. Uh, you had a nice little article up on PlayStationLifestyle.net about it and about how Shadow of War's microtransactions are. Uh, are making day well microtransactions in general and controversies such as that are making day one purchases seem uh, less appealing. Yeah, so so in my mind, we had uh, Michael Breyer's mm-hmm. uh, writes amazing features for us uh, pretty regularly, at least a couple a month, um, and he wrote this one up. And uh, in my mind, it's it's three major games right now that I'm thinking back to that 
that are like, why did I buy this day one? Final Fantasy 15, Shadow of War, and Battlefront 2, where you're going, the you change the entire systems of these games. And on the one hand, it looks like, you know, good guy developer going in, oh, yeah, you're taking microtransactions out of Shadow of War to to maintain the integrity of your game. But on the other hand, it's, well, you guys put microtransactions in the game in the first place and then left them in there in, in a single-player game and kind of tainted the experience to to some extent. I don't think it was that much because they they weren't too obtrusive, but to some extent tainted the experience for the better part of, you know, nine months before they're gone. So is that good guy developer or is that, oh, we made the money we wanted to off of these and now they really aren't making money anymore, so let's take them out as a PR move? Yeah. I, I, Jason, you wrote about this, about how there wasn't really that initiative anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, I I honestly, uh, I do think it was a PR move, but I think it's mostly because no one probably bought the microtransactions in Shadow of War because mm-hmm. they were the most shoehorned like there there was no reason to buy them i didn't see i played through the whole game uh even you know the, the last chapter which people found irritating where you, you're constantly having to take and lose your your fortresses um and i i, I there was just no temptation for microtransactions it, it's i i really feel it was something like they had made the whole game and were ready to publish it and uh warner brothers interactive was like well you've got to put some kind of loot box system in there or something because we want more money and they just kind of tacked it onto the side and that was that um i think the only reason they took it out was because they probably didn't make any money off of it i don't see uh anyone sitting and buying hundreds of orcs because the ones you already get a ridiculous amount of them in game uh i don't know um, it's, 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 a it's a paid cheat, cheat mode. mode. It's, it's, it's honestly, honestly, just like, make the, make make the game, game worse. worse. It just made it easier, but it it was it wasn't that difficult in my opinion. No, no. Yeah, without yeah. them, uh, I don't understand uh, adding them in, into a game that's a single player game. I I like microtransactions for a multiplayer game. I I do, but most of mine are for cosmetic stuff, and I like. I like buying those. I bought the heck out of loot boxes for Overwatch, so yeah. I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not these weird people who have some major issue with it. But it, it seemed kind of out of place in Shadow of War. And to talk about Final Fantasy for a bit, I still don't understand why they're releasing DLC for that game two or three years after the fact. It, it makes no sense. I'm not going back to play that game. I already got the Platinum not just dlc but completely changing the game now too like there's going to be an update where you can swap out noctis for a custom character what <laughs> like what how does that make sense is that how they're getting um gordon freeman in there is it what from is it gordon freeman from half-life Oh, that was with the uh, the PC. Um, that was the, for, that was for the Final custom Fantasy characters 15 thing, wasn't Windows it? version. Is it an online yeah. mode or something? I don't really understand how that works. I've played it for a while. They they did add in the comrades, which is a multiplayer mode. I haven't played it. Oh right, okay. A lot of PvP or. Uh, uh, from what I played of it, it's PvE. It's uh, pretty uh. neat though. Uh, I'm actually surprised they took the time out to make it because i i can't think that 
the DLC for Final Fantasy 15 is like drawing a lot of new players in. No, at, no. At least in the West. I would think that people have either decided to play it and have played it already or have just decided to pass on it entirely. So... Yeah, well, yeah. I liked the I liked uh, the uh, I liked some of the episodes for the different characters. I thought they were a cool way to go back in and see, you know, their take on a certain scene in the game, and well, I, I liked that. And I played all of them. You know, they were short. It wasn't that bad. They weren't expensive. Um, and I tried the online, and the online would have been really cool at launch when I really cared about the game. But mm-hmm. two years down the line, yeah, I, I don't see who they're really bringing into the fold. And now the Royal Edition with added story, I just, it's an RPG. Just let it have, you know, re- let it release and then be done, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm kind of, It's the, like, eternal like, monetization of everything now, isn't it? Where you've not only got to, like, release your game, but then you've still got to be wringing cash out of it for the next five years. And in some areas, it makes sense. But I think in terms of single-player games, after you get over the hump of the first two uh, DLCs, I don't really know how much more you could uh, you could provide. What state is Battlefront 2 in? That was mentioned in the article, wasn't it? Battlefront 2. What yeah, state Battle is that Front in there? Battlefront 2, they, they completely changed the card, uh, the battle card system. Yeah. Um, where now it's progression based based on actually playing the characters like it should have been all along. Yeah. Instead of a randomized progression system where, oh, hey, uh, I like playing as a trooper, but I open this loot box and I'm getting progression cards for a specialist, which I don't like to play as. Yeah. Um, or, oh, this guy likes to play as a trooper and he opens a loot box and he luckily gets, uh, you know, progression things for his trooper which actually makes him a better player because it's you know a 10 percent damage increase or, or whatever yeah yeah it's you know, more, more carry on, carry on. oh i was gonna say you know uh we were talking about shadow of war and yeah yeah uh, i feel like battlefront 2 is their microtransactions were the exact opposite of that game it's like that game was built completely around that the aspect of getting you to buy premium currency to improve your character. Like, at the core, that was the idea of that game. And then everything else, I would say even the fact that it was Star Wars-themed was, like, secondary to, we need to get people to buy these crystals so that they can get these star cards so that, you know, they can get a more powerful character. And if they don't behave for it, you know, it's going to be... It's going to take them 100... What did they say? Like, 80 hours to unlock all the hero characters or something like that? I think it was even longer. I think it was something it absolutely was ridiculous. Longer. Yeah. Yeah. And then the money to to spend on enough loot boxes to potentially get enough of of the star cards and all the characters and everything was something like two grand or four grand. It, I mean, it, yeah, it was just, it was a system that was designed to make people feel like it wasn't complete. And and that's the thing is, uh, gamers are we're completionists. We're you know collection minded. We're OCD. That's why there's trophies in games because I mean inherently trophies are challenges that promote us actually coming back to a game. It promotes the idea that um, you know a game will not be resold, and it gives us things to do outside of just the main story. 
and so yeah when you give us things to collect and upgrades to earn and things like that a lot of us are going to want to go for all of them and it's just they they make it so that it's utterly impossible because they want you to spend that money on the limited time items or simply spend a lot of time with their game the thing that i don't understand about like battlefront 2's microtransactions either um or that approach to loot boxes in general it's loot boxes like at, at the core it's supposed to contain things that are exciting uh, like if it's speaking from like if a publisher's perspective, if you want people to you know buy your microtransactions, you're gonna want interesting things. Now the reason that Overwatch's stuff is so um, Overwatch's stuff is so popular is literally because people love those characters and they want to dress them up in different cosmetics and whatever, give them new emotes and stuff. EA didn't even have to make these characters. This was a bunch of characters who everybody already knows, everybody already loves. Uh, there's so much lore behind it that they could have just... Well, they said they didn't want to do cosmetics because of the problems with the IP or whatever, but they're doing them now, aren't they? Uh, so I just don't understand it. Like, I was playing, and it's this, the rewards that they gave you, at least... I mean, I... I, um, I, I th- Oh, no, you reviewed it for us, didn't you, Jason, I think? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gave yeah. it a two point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, well the, it's the like I played it for a good like um like three weeks uh, to a month, and from what I saw, the things when you had these new items, they didn't feel impactful at all. Uh, like there was obviously giving you, I think, lots of stuff for like Boba Fett and some of the heroes might have been might have been really good, but they didn't really give you anything that felt too powerful. It was just boring things like. Now your thermal detonator has slightly more range and not not noticeable things, and it was like uh, they've ruined this game on the basis of loot boxes that are in no way exciting. So it wasn't even like you wanted to spend more money on them because they were so boring. I just think Overwatch has just got the loot box. I get like people understand uh, people have complaints about you know about them. Uh, appealing to addictive traits of personalities and stuff. I personally don't buy loot boxes at all uh, because I like the progression. Even in Overwatch, I'm obsessed with Overwatch, but I like the idea that when I level up, I'll get a loot box. If I started buying loot boxes, that would make that whole thing less interesting. But at least give people something good to get out of loot boxes and not just, you know, your your blaster's a bit more hot now. I don't get it. Well, and and with, with like Overwatch loot boxes too, what's nice about that is... You know, say I don't have time to play one of these limited time events. I, I haven't hopped into the retribution event right now um, that, that's going on, uh, you know, or maybe I don't get something that I wanted or uh, you know, w- whatever the case may be. I can near the end of the event, drop ten dollars into it, get get ten loot boxes and and open them up and potentially get some cool items out of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea is is that like overwatch is this game that came out what two and a half years ago now yeah and it is still relevant and talked about on on a daily basis and people are actively playing it they're actively coming out with with new things for it and people want to spend money on it and that's you know those those loot boxes and microtransactions are what is keeping that alive right now it's not you know, it's not the concurrent game sales that are continuing afterwards. It's people actually spending money on those cosmetics. 
Yeah, but they did it in a smart way. Well, it's like the the loot boxes have been put into Overwatch. Not Overwatch has been put into the loot boxes. Like you can't ignore them. It's not like you know. It's completely. It's superficial stuff. Um, The one thing that I would say, which I don't like, um, it's the limited time events. So uh, you'll get these limited time events, obviously, and then you'll be able to unlock uh, skins during those times. Uh, But then after the limited time events uh, are are over you won't be able to unlock those loot boxes anymore to get those skins. Um, but they're still displayed in your hero gallery, all those skins. So if you are the sort that's a major completionist, then you're going to look at that and just that that's a taunt. That is taunting you that you did not play during the Lunar New Year. <laughs> it it kills me every time. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Uh, 181 Platinum Trophies. Yeah, it kills me <laughs> yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, quickly, while on the subject of Overwatch, did anybody see uh, May's new skin? I wrote about it on Game Revolution. She's got a nice, uh, she's got a nice pajama skin. They have Blizzard have such an issue with animating May specifically. All the other characters, absolutely fine, but they've done something weird with her pose. Where I think because usually she wears like a big coat as a default skin so whenever they try to give her anything slightly you know more figure hugging i guess like this pajama massive baggy sweatshirt but it kind of arches over her back and she looks like a literal shelf <laughs> it's just a complete right angle of her back i don't understand how this keeps happening it happened with her in the lunar new year as well she had a skin that just like made her made waist her clip through kind of yeah. yeah yeah it was just like she was just like it looked like she was just smuggling like uh like a giant peach down there I was just, I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's happened i just uh, one of my friends mains me and he's just every single time they come out it's just like what have they done <laughs> What have they done to my to my beautiful well, character? I I think they built the original character model on the idea of of her, you know, her puffy coat and her big clothing oh, and everything. Yeah. And then when they realized that they wanted to release additional skins that may not be that, they actually had to adjust the character model, which they were like, ah, oh, it doesn't work with any no. of these new but things. This, I mean, like dressing gown, just give her a dressing robes, just a giant dressing gown, that would be fine. She's also wearing, <laughs> because I don't think they wanted to animate a hand, she's wearing other mitts. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. Like, how does this woman go to sleep? Her back is just built like a shelf and she's got other mitts on. <laughs> it's a logistical nightmare. All right, so... Uh, we did not get any reader questions this week. No, we did not. We were no. all really, really sad. I feel None. like I need to make a bigger thing about people asking us questions. Just like write a post and just publish a post every single day of every single week. Just like you've got to ask, ask us questions. Ask questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Can be like, Jason, what are you wearing or something? <laughs> Jason, what are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing a... Uh beautiful pair of athletic shorts with a metal gear solid t-shirt oh no, uh, no. slouched in my computer chair there we go there we go that's, that's, uh, that's uh, nice yeah, so yeah. Somebody, somebody's gonna be, just, gonna be into that just almost uh chin to stomach slouch <laughs> you know now that we're talking about what we're wearing we were talking lawbreakers before and uh as as much as that game failed I got a really nice track jacket from the Lawbreakers review event. Oh, nice. And uh, I am wearing that right now. <laughs> oh, 
I just uh, for some reason just keeping on this theme for no reason uh, earlier on today a uh, dog uh, ran down my road like a loose dog a dog that had escaped somewhere so I got out of my office ran outside and realised I was wearing Batman pyjamas to go and chase this dog. So I just looked like really casual Bruce Wayne pursuing a dog <laughs> in hot pursuit of this dog. And there was a guy just standing in his porch smoking, just watching me, with me just with a box of kibble and a dog lead, just like, come back. It's like, God, Batman's really let himself go. <laughs> and... And with that bit of canine <laughs> justice, <laughs> that closes out this week's crossplay podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we want to thank you guys all for listening. Uh, remember, you can find us on PlayStationLifestyle.net and GameRevolution.com. I wanted to make sure I got those the, the yeah. endings on each of those correct. Yeah. Um, so we are on YouTube. We are on Spotify. Or, or not on Spotify Same yet. We're on YouTube. We'll be on Spotify we're on and Apple Podcasts shortly. Yes. Uh, so Apple, uh, and and then we will be on Spotify shortly as well. So hopefully you guys can just get a feed direct from there. But uh, still come visit the site because mm-hmm. that's where we get our reader questions and we don't have to ask each other what we're wearing. Yeah, and that's also how <laughs> we afford to eat. Ah, eatings, <laughs> you know. I do that when when and if I can. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Let let us know uh, what what you guys think of the God of War uh, review stuff. What you guys think of Radical Heights, PlayStation Five, all of those lovely SEO keywords. Uh, and and yes, ask us questions for next time. Thank you for listening to Crossplay. Thank you.